All right, everybody's ready to go? Just 12 hours between mommy and a margarita. Oh, you gotta be. Don't let a stuffy nose block your good time. Children's Afrin provides 12-hour, all-day, or all-night relief of nasal congestion from colds or allergies. Afrin, the wow is real. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This season, Crown Royal is celebrating the generous hosts who open their doors to make game day royal. Whether they're serving up buffalo wings or shaking up whiskey sours, Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get game day ready. Please drink responsibly. Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pail, steel to a boot? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Look at this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I call the John? What are we apologizing for? What did we say? What did we do? What's up, Bobby? What's up? Here we are. We're garden reporting um, with a ridiculous game. Celtics absolutely smoke the heat. You know, you know, it's a great game. It's, it, I mean, it's ridiculous, but the uh, I kind of wanted to see like a good Miami performance tonight, and it wasn't a terrible one. But holy crap! Like, is this just a simple like Celtics just shot the lights out? There's nothing they could do, or was Miami just not defend at all? I mean, they got a lot of open looks, but they, they I mean, they just hit everything. Is this as simple as yeah, Celtics made everything tonight? What are you going to do? Because this was just this was ridiculous. Miami was Miami played okay offensively, and they shot it fairly well. Yeah, I thought this was a really good game for a half, and uh, you had a battle between the Celtics mismatch hunting, which was super effective. Right from the first two three minutes, going after Hayward. But then Heiss it was just all threes. Tatum. First they uh, were yeah, going nice. after they were going after Hero early and looking for matchup matchup matchup, and then it just became swing it swing it swing it, and just they nailed everything. Yeah, and they got Tatum some good catch and shoot looks to start the third that made it a blowout. Uh, so yeah. this was only a game for a half. I thought the Heat stayed in it well, uh, even through the first couple minutes of that third quarter with some awesome movement, nice dump off passes. Some really sharp sets that forced the Celtics to uh, make some tough switches. They were hedging away from guys early that took advantage, I thought. And that disappeared in the second half. And, uh, you know, the Heat's uh, shooting Wayne down the stretch. Jimmy Butler, another one of those weird games where he's just standing around, not doing much. And I think we're left saying that certainly the Celtics have leveled up. Uh, the Heat, I think, got a nice piece in Terry Rozier, but maybe one that doesn't impact this matchup all that much. And we will see what the Heat become once Butler plays more aggressively in the playoffs. Yeah. So I don't think you learn a ton from this one. And we know what the Celtics have been. I mean, this is their ninth game over the last 21 where they've led by 30-plus, which is just ridiculous. Um, they so pretty much I, led by double digits in every one of those games, save for like three. So 
They're dominant. They're dominating right now, John. We got a little concerned. We didn't know actually what to think after that Bucks game, right? Could this be the start of a little slip up here? And they didn't play great in those first couple of games after. Uh, at least a couple they had of them. about a week, about a week there that it was like, eh, you know, and then and then completely the Dallas game, I think, was huge for them uh, to turn that one around the way they did. You know, the Houston game was crap, uh, you know, kind of letting their guard down. But you're right. I mean, these last couple of games have been impressive. Yeah, they had a tough time in Toronto. The Nuggets yep. finish was difficult. But other than that, they've taking care of business here against some quality teams. You know, Houston's okay. Mavericks don't look like they're going in a good direction here. Uh, so the schedule has softened up overall a little bit. You get the Spurs, you get, um, you know, the Rockets on that second game just weren't great. But overall here, you just love what this team's doing right now. You don't love an injury in this game. And we'll see where that goes. But I don't, ha- I don't hate that. Uh, he came back on the bench and he wasn't wearing a boot and it wasn't like heavily taped and iced. He was just, you know, it looked like a, a, a classic, you know, quick roll. You know, you come down on someone's foot, which are brutal. And we've all suffered them a million times before. Uh, and it's my, I, seeing it just gives me nightmares because it's so frustrating and painful. Um, but hopefully nothing that's going to keep him out for an extended period. Yeah, and he was killing them early. 19 points up to that point. Attack uh, and switches inside and out. He looks like the difference maker in this matchup. And the Heat didn't even want to go zone because uh, they knew what he could do against it, what Tatum could do against it. Yeah, so it. there's the he difference, right? Part of it. There's the difference. You know, you kind of like – I know you shared that clip and it went viral a little bit. I know some people kind of took, took, took exception to, like, the predictability of the Missoula offense and how that's going to hurt them in the playoffs. But – the thing that's different is the Porzingis factor, you know, and that's what's different this year versus years past. Getting him involved, getting him on a pick and pop, uh, getting him in the post where he's just, I mean, not only so efficient scoring, but efficient in, in terms of, you know, uh, getting to the line. And I mean, it's just, he's just, that inside out game that he brings there changes the dynamic a little bit from just a team that's just whipping it around the perimeter, looking for the first open three. I think it's a little different now. Yeah. It gives you that inside component a lot different now. And that's the big, big, big difference. And again, I think that everybody says, and I think that this, uh, you know, is a fair kind of comment. Um, you know, if Porzingis is healthy, you know, I think they're, I think this is what the whole conversation is. You play a team like the heat here, and obviously you didn't give their best effort against the Bucs, so you didn't get to see what you would look like against them, uh, you know, a, a week or so ago. But in the past week, you have a bunch of teams leveling up, so to speak. You know, as we mentioned, Rozier, uh, the Bucks go and get a, you know, a, what they think is a significant upgrade in head coach. And obviously you have Indiana landing Siakam. Um, all of these teams are trying to get to Boston's level, and I still think Boston is a, a, is a, is a legit this much over the field uh, in terms of their best game versus everyone else's best game. doesn't mean they couldn't lose, but I still think there's separation. Yeah. I think the only concern you have with this team right now is crunch time. I think those other teams, I think Miami and Indiana brought themselves in with Milwaukee and Philly, but not up. uh, But I think those four teams are all a level below the Celtics. A clear below the Celtics. Yeah, we talked about it on a couple podcasts earlier today. Uh, 
where they rank now, you think, in the East. And the odds on FanDuel have them fourth in the East hierarchy behind that Philly, Milwaukee, Boston. Uh, Miami now? Yeah, so they're up to four. They still scare the shit out of me in the playoffs because, uh, you know. the well, You, you know, know what? Because it's just going to be harder than it needs to be. You're going to play extra games. That. It's going to be grueling. You might beat them, but does a guy go down in that series? Do you exhaust yourself getting through it? Because even, again, in that first half, John, they really had to work to stay ahead. The Heat were scoring possession after possession. What was it, 72-63 at half? Something like that. So they were right there scoring with you the whole way. They shot well yep. in this game. They just work so hard offensively. And you can tell Butler's just trying to get other guys going. Roger's still trying to get in the flow there. I think he's a nice pickup in terms of their, uh, you know, off the dribble shooting. They need a guy like that. I think there's going to be some defensive challenges against a team like Boston with him. Uh, but you see the dynamic between him and Hero. This is going to be a better offensive team come playoff time for the Heat. Uh, but can they stay the same defensively? Because they are going to have to find a way to slow down a fully loaded Boston team or Philly if they can. run into them. That's so they're not, they're not going to win if they can't slow them down. I mean, you're going to count on making life harder on them and hoping that they don't shoot 55% from three. Yeah. Um, which again, it's, you know, I hate to do the whole, I mean, last year's series really came down to that. You know, Miami shot much, much, much better than they're accustomed to, and Boston shot worse. And that was the whole series. the The rest of the uh, the rest of the analysis you could kind of throw out the window. That's really what it came down to. Yeah, for sure. And there were some other wrinkles in there: Brogdon injury, uh, Brown. You know, yeah, Tatum rolling his ankle ten seconds into the seven game seven, which took him out of there as well. You know, obviously, all of those things could change things. Brogdon being a total, zero and you know, there's still there's still hurt. some yeah. ways that the Celtics guard them that I don't love. You saw it early, like Luke's cheating away from Martin, and they're giving him open threes. That was another thing that really annoyed us in those East Coast that kind of hurt them early in this one. Uh, I don't it, love dropping on Bam either and giving him that free throw jumper. I think that that's automatic for him. Yeah. So are they the scariest team in the East to me? Probably not. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, I still think they are. Even this, well, they were missing a couple guys tonight too, and Love and uh, Hawkins, who have been pretty important. So that's a factor here. Yeah, and Hawkins would probably be the guy on Tatum um, defensively. So yeah, you're going to take that into account here. Roger just stepping into the door two days ago. That's all a factor here, and that's not discounting. But everybody levels up. You have... You have the Spolster effect and, and Butler levels up, you know, yeah. tremendously in the playoffs. And he knows what he's doing now. I mean, they have the same exact record right now that they did through this many games last year. You know, they're just going to kind of lurk and they're not going to give a crap who they play in the first round. And they're not going to give a crap who they play if they play on the road or at home. But they're still going to be a scary team. And I just always think I'm just maybe it's just, you know, recency bias and just, you know, all the matchups they've had, but it's just, that's the one team that I still think is the one where you're just anxious playing them. I don't, Oh, see, you're always going to be anxious. I and don't see the bucks or the Sixers beating the Celtics in a seven game series. You know, if, if they're, if they're healthy and you get anxious about that Roger pickup too, just because he's a guy that can get hot, can get hot. a game yeah. and he can do a bunch of things for them on the offensive end. Uh, but that's the big one is he could hit threes and droves. And Larry, he did some little things to help them. He had some intangibles that I think made his minutes a positive. But there were some games that is yeah. just a zero at this point. There um, are some games he was a legit detriment um, yeah. for them. 
You know? Yeah, so just a ginormous upgrade. They save money. Well, you there have too. four 20 game scorers plus Haquez and plus Robinson and plus Caleb Martin and Josh Richardson and Kevin Love can each drop some. So, like, all of a sudden, they're a little bit more, you know, there's some depth here for a team that you didn't know exactly what they would look like. Uh, and, you know, for a team that generally struggles, you know, not struggles, but defense is their, their hallmark. Uh, offensively, they've they've definitely leveled up a little bit yeah. uh, this year. They're and still t- not among the NBA's elite <laughs> teams. They're still their offense is still near the bottom in terms of overall efficiency. But Butler's missed some games. Rozier just stepped in, you know. And, and again, come playoff time, you feel like they could be playing. This could be like one of those teams. It's like, ah, oh, God. So I don't know, but. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to make the excuse thing again, but we did it with the Celtics in Milwaukee. It's a second night of a back-to-back. Granted, they stayed home for it. They didn't have to travel, so it's a pretty basic one. But it's another TNT game where one team is playing on the second night of a back-to-back, and um, you know they ran out of gas. It looked like they just couldn't keep up with the Celtics. Yeah, and they had some urgency to get back in the win column. I know Grandy was tweeting before the game about it being years since they lost five straight games, and that, of course, happened tonight. Uh, the Celtics by the way, haven't lost five straight games since the Brad Stevens tank year, uh, which is pretty impressive. They went 233 games without losing five in a row. Miami did, which was the fourth longest streak in the league. Celtics now 748 uh, without a five-game losing streak, which leads the league. Did you see this? Did they not shake hands after the game? I could see that. That seems like a heat thing to do. You could see the heat being like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I could see. The did Celtics no one? I, I didn't I see know. it, but I don't know. I'm I kind of tuned getting... out when the bench is empty. Did uh, Wall score tonight? No, and he passed up a shot to give it to uh, Mihailuk. Um, hey, that's which... the right play. That's going to get him minutes. It is the right play, but come on, <laughs> let's get the, let's let's get the kids some. Come looks. on, get on the even... board. One assist, one rebound. He did. He did. He. Yeah, he 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 shoveled it off to Mahailuk, who I think hit a three. Um, but you know, he you get the get the kid a look, would you? O'Shea came in and uh, scored four quick. A couple of rebounds. yeah, you know, it's again, it's like it's such a it was such a balanced game, and it really was over early in that third quarter, uh, and that was it, man. I mean, you know, it was just. I mean, just everything friggin' fell. I got a little worried, too. I kind of tweeted there. And so I'll say this. It wasn't over early in the third. Miami gets it to 16, and the Celtics kind of started to fall in love. That was my concern right then and there. Like, I didn't like it at all. Brown heat check three. I hated that shot. And then they did another one and then another. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I think they think all of these are going to go in. And they got to, like get stops and like, just keep doing what they're doing. And then, then the Luke offense comes in and saves the day. And I know everything we're talking about on this show is just simply a preamble to 40 straight minutes of Luke Cornett conversation, <laughs> you know? So like I'm stalling until he's we get not going to let you off the hook, John. I, I'm, I, I, but then he has that little stint there in the third quarter where it's like lob, roll, short roll, bucket, foul, free throw line, you know? And, and, and that's You've why I talked about it before. His hands are so good. You just got to get him the ball great. above the rim. His hands are great. He has great hands. He can catch those passes, those bounce passes that like doink off of like Kate. Kata couldn't catch that if you gave him a hundred opportunities. Some of those balls, even Horford's not great at it. You know, like that's a skill being able to collect those passes in those. Rob had phenomenal hands. That was one of the cool things about him. He could just 
he, uh, he had really, really, really good hands. But Luke's got that where he can get it and, and gather it and get it up. And, you know, he's he's coordinated up over the rim and the, the, his timing is outstanding. And he's good, honestly, with the interior passing as well. So that little stretch there was like the Luke Cornette, like mixtape where you're going to like, you know, that was his Instagram, you know, demo. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to give that to everybody because that was great. But we like that run it. was that run was awesome right there to end the third because I didn't like the way they were going at all. And if Miami, I felt like that was going to get to like 9, 10, 11. Uh, and it didn't. They uh, they extended it, which was great, uh, and got it up to twenty one or twenty three, I think, to end that quarter. Uh, and that was it. And then they kind of, you know, then they then they dropped the hammer early fourth, and that was it. Yeah, and we got into it last game. Is he good? Is it did. It went from sixteen to twenty three. It was a really strong finish to that quarter. Yeah. Yeah, you just see the difference between him and some of the other backup bigs in the league, like Thomas Bryant. I don't know how the Heat just keep downgrading at that spot, going back to when they had Kelly Olenek, who, you know, maybe they can get back this year in the buyout market if it comes to that. Uh, but they've gone between Dwayne Dedman and, uh, you know, Kevin Love on the buyout last year is a big-ish option. And then uh, they had someone in between that I can't remember. But now Thomas Bryant just gets killed in that pick and roll by Cornette there. And Jalen's running the show. You know, we talked a little bit about that last yeah, year. Yeah, he didn't well. have KP to throw lobs to. He throws him to Luke. Yeah, and those pick-and-roll numbers just remain good for Brown. And the playmaking just feels like it's at another level for him this year. He's been a better pick-and-roll facilitator this year than Tatum. Still a little bit behind White, but the second-best on the team. And they've needed it. That was a stretch there, the one you just mentioned. Tatum's off the floor. And those continue to be minutes that they win this year, where in recent years, you just absolutely collapse in those moments. And this is the one that separated you for good in this game. That was that was the that was the key to the game. I, and again, I, I have the record of it where I texted it at 16. I was like, they're going to lose this game. I, I started to panic. I was like, I don't like it at all what they're doing here. And then, well, the heat kind of fell apart offensively too, and that was that. They uh, did, but that stretch was great, and they really pulled it together. And as you said, you know, uh, with those guys off the floor, uh, that was a big deal. You know, that was big. Corn. And what's funny is Cornette comes in for Tatum at that point, and it was. Just, <laughs> They love the, playing it, bigger. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, they bring in Cornette, Hauser, and Pritchard for Tatum, White, and Horford to close that quarter at the three-and-a-half-minute mark, and it's a 16-point game. And I was like, ah, I don't like this at all. And then, you know, that was it. You know, that just they, – they, they took off from there. It was Holiday, Luke, Luke, and then Luke again with the dunk uh, on the pass from Holiday. And uh, then Luke gets to the free throw line, uh, and that was it. I mean, it was the Luke show uh, going down late. There It was a really, really, really strong, uh, strong finish to that quarter, and that 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 was that's what sealed it. Holiday out there too, making some plays in between. I thought he was tremendous in this game. Uh, I thought he was rock solid. A seven for eight from the field, three or four from three, five assists. <laughs> he seems like he's getting in his comfort zone in terms of what he's doing on both ends of the floor now for them. Uh, feels a little bit more active and involved. Charles was kind of going on and on at half about how he's been like the difference at point guard this year, which I feel like if you put white in that sentence, it's it's more true. But, you know, he's certainly a secondary playmaker that can do some things. And they should get him the ball in the pocket more to make plays out of the paint area because – He's a good passer on kickouts, and he obviously found Luke for that dump off on the jam. I feel like he's done that quite a bit this year, just finding cutters, uh, Brown or whoever else. So Holiday as well in this one, rock solid, and it feels like he's starting to play better and better each game. 
Well, it's funny. It's like you talk about roles changing with with the holiday in particular. Like holidays basically just become a dead eye spot up shooter at this point. And if he's hitting at the clip that he's hitting at, um, it's it's silly. And and that's the thing is like again, you know, you have to look at this team and the difference between you know what you're going to talk about Missoula ball and like what it stood for, and and basically, you know, what you have with the guys that you have this year, I mean, it, it, they're elite. They're just shooting in an elite clip right now. It's crazy. You know, I mean, holiday is up over what, I mean, all of these guys, you're looking at white holiday, you know, Hauser in his minutes and Horford are still up over 40% uh, at three Brown and Tatum have brought theirs up. I'm not sure what the numbers would look like after the first month of the season, but I mean, Brown and Tatum have to be closer to that 40 you know, uh, percent mark. Like it's, you, you've got somebody everywhere. There's just not those, like it, it, it used to be Marcus and other, you know, taking those shots. It used to, it's just, it's different. Uh, it's different there. Like when those balls rotate over and you get those corner threes, and I know some people will be like, it's too many, it's too many. They're just good shots right now. <laughs> They're just good they shots. Are. Yeah. And they you can are. have just some that- games where they don't fall. Certainly you have other options in those cases that you can go to. And yeah, yeah, and I they're think not, Tatum... they're not the only team that does this. I mean, everyone freaks out over it. I mean, this is just how teams play. Like this is what you're, I mean, teams give up those, those shots in close for, for open corner threes all the time. The Celtics are not unique in that, but they're just hitting them. They're just able to hit them, you know, with white and holiday uh, at the clip that they're shooting at and, and Horford able to knock them down as well. It's just, they're good shots. Yeah, and Tatum probably stands to benefit the most from balancing his shot profile out a little bit in terms of more at the rim, a fewer off the balance, uh, just, just based off what his production's been in both of those spots. He went to the mid-range a little bit early in this game too, tried that out, and overall I feel like this was just an extension, John, of that Dallas game where he was so aggressive getting downhill uh, took it to guys left and right. I mean, he had Highsmith, who was a point man on him, in foul trouble almost immediately to begin this game, and the Heat really didn't have an option from there. And I know someone said it in the chat earlier, Miami's going to go to that hero Roger uh, combination at the backcourt. They are extremely vulnerable on the defensive end. You said it, John. This team's profile is usually defense as a strength, offense as a little bit of a more hit or miss area for them tonight. Their offense was great. Their defense was really bad and they looked like they couldn't match up with the Celtics no matter what they did. I don't even think in a playoff scenario, given what they had tonight, they could have schemed up anything to stop what the Celtics were doing because they just had too much. So Bobby, it comes back to that conversation we'd had a million times like it before the season is what are you going to do against this guy? And what are you going to do against this guy? You know, like, cause I know like you, that's where your thinking Embiid goes. You look, Giannis, yeah, yeah. You look at a mat, you look at a mismatch on the other side and you're like, how's Porzingis going to stay with blank? How are they going to whatever? Like every single team has multiple problems and multiple things to worry about against the Celtics every single night. They're entering with two and three problems. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, and like, and if you do, if you alter your lineup to get a little bit more defensive, you're sacrificing so much offensively. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the difference there. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, Ahmed, it looks like we've got Sherrod knocking on the door. If you want to let him in and yes, 
Hello, hello. What's Welcome up, guys? to our little three-sided situation here we've got going on here. Eeny, meeny, miny, one jumps out. Yeah. What's going on, Sherrod? Oh, gosh. You got a uh, Tommy shirt? I love that. Gigi. I love Gigi. One of my all-time favorite players. I, I love him. Luigi, my guy. Um, has never seen a shot he would did not like to take. Love it. Love it. He he would have fit in well with a Joe Mazzula coach team. <laughs> he he might be a he might be a 17 point per game scorer with Joe. He could have been the Shvi of this team. Oh, he could have been better than Shvi because he I mean he could actually make shots. Right. Do you want to get your uh Luke apology cam out of the way early or you want to wait for it? <laughs> we had this Luke. chat, Sherrod, and look what he did tonight. Bobby. <laughs> I can't. This is this is the thing that kills me about about like Luke. Okay, he had a decent game. Had a decent game. No one. Are we gonna? Do we do this every single time? Every time he has a good one. (laughs) Do we do this when Sam Hauser has a good game? Do we do this when you know uh, Stevens has a good game? No, they're role players. Your job. He's actually doing his job. Yeah, but people don't look at those players, Sharon, and say this guy stinks. You know why? Because those guys don't get to play. Those guys don't play as much as Luke does. Yeah, Hauser plays. People like Hauser for some reason. People love you know, Richard. You know but why? People hate Cornette. Here, I, I, I can, uh, Bobby, I can explain this. It's real simple. Sam has a job. <laughs> Sam does his job consistently. Pritchard, when Pritchard wasn't doing his job, people weren't fond of him. Now, all of a sudden, he's doing his job consistently. He's okay. The same thing with Luke. Do you do you hear people complaining about Luke? No. You know why? He's doing his job. Bravo. He's doing his job. Yay! He's doing his job. I'm still getting complaints nightly about him, but Luke is like I can brush him off easily. I don't understand doing this. I actually don't understand. They're trying to trigger you, Bobby. That's what they're just needling you, Bobby, because they know that that's a sensitive spot for you. My beef with it, you is just talking about him a lot. Not, I, I don't think he should be. I have to advocate much. for him. No, I don't think you do. You don't. <laughs> you really don't. No one else is going to do it. Literally, no you, one. Because here's You're, the thing: you know, if you don't say anything, little seven footer, if you don't say anything about Luke and he plays a game like this, guess what? We're going to talk about Luke. But the fact that you make it such a front and center topic of conversation, even on nights when he sucks, it's like, what are we doing? This stems from. Go ahead, Bobby. This stems from the beginning of the season. You sit here and you say, "Is he good enough to be the backup or the depth big on the team?" And this is the second straight year people have gone, "Yeah, you probably need a big. Go get the Marcus Cousins. Go get this guy. Go get that guy." He's good, and you look again. I said this before you got on, Shrod. Him against Thomas Bryant. He's the much better player between those two in this matchup, and that's a real strength for this team if you're gonna be able to use him in a first stretch against an opposing big in the playoffs. He's going to be able to win those five minutes or however long that is. So he's made yeah, strides over last like, year. He's playing he better than last year. He doesn't. He doesn't. His first stint, he was a minus and they weren't winning his minutes. And then his second one was the key to a game. And I thought that was a huge, huge, uh, he was crucially important. He wasn't just the recipient of those things. He did a lot of things right in that, in that. He had that little dump span. pass to Horford. A great yeah, little pass to Horford in that. Well, mm-hmm. awesome. So those, those three and a half minutes, awesome. It's great. But the thing is, it, it's just most nights. It's like 
Yeah, he played some. You know, like yeah. I always said, the, the 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 argument for people who are your ninth guys or whatever, wherever they're going to be in in the rotation, eight, nine, ten guys is hopefully you're not saying a lot about them because if you are, it's usually like, ah, oh, it's it's like, can you it, like we talked about it with Cantor, we talked about it with other people. Can you survive those minutes? Can you survive those minutes? And not like, are you, <laughs> you thriving? Love no, but I'm saying in any case, when you have a player who's has some limitations or some flaws, whatever they are, the key is I hope they don't get exposed in this in this stint. I hope we don't get killed during this stretch. That's what you're always looking at. Like Cantor yeah. getting smoked in the pick and roll and some team going on a 10-1 run in, in 90 seconds on you. Flashbacks. Like, oh, my God. Flashbacks. Like, that it is like, okay, so much. Yes, okay, we did not survive. Because <laughs> you're sneaking them in. You're, you're Those guys exist to give other people a rest not to necessarily win games or do whatever. And you're just hoping they hold the line. Luke's been holding the line, yeah. you know, and that's what you can ask of it. That's all. That's where yeah. I leave the conversation. Right. You almost want them to be and like, that's a compliment. like he's holding the line. Yeah. The best referees are the and ones that you're not talking doing... about. Yeah. And, and Luke, I think this was a game where Luke was solid, but there wasn't anything that he did was that, that was incredibly amazingly awesome. And if there wasn't anything he did that sucked, he was solid. Well, that's the and thing. That's, this is a good, good comment right here. Starting, maybe, maybe, maybe this is how she <laughs> I'll take feels. that. I'll accept that if that's all you guys want to give. <laughs> I like the guy. You know what? Because he's awesome and he's a glue guy. He and he's like exactly. also their mascot. And they freaking love the guy. And he's the head of the No, he's better than their mascot. But he always has – he's always in a good mood. The guys think he's freaking hilarious. Like, he's a really important member yeah. of the team for a bunch of different reasons. Luke's a really likable guy. And when he succeeds, I actually think people like him so much that they feed off of his success and they get pumped up. The stupid shit like the ice water in the veins and the free throw. <laughs> he had a terrible the game. He had a terrible game, but that was such a huge moment. The bird, you know, these dumbass cornet <laughs> contests. You know, like people like this stuff, but he's so friggin'. He, I people like don't the love the cornet contests, but they love him. I no, like the I, guy a lot. I like well, the guy a lot. He gives he gives you those good vibes that that there's a back and forth with Grant gone because Grant kind of gave you that a little bit more annoying. Grant was a little bit more annoying, but the feel good vibes that you need in your locker room. Luke gives you those and his value in that. And now he's actually playing to the point where you're not paying. You, you don't really think about what he's doing out there. He's just playing his role. And, yeah, and that's he's not going to play much. In the, and he won't play much in the playoffs, but this again, is true. Give, giving guys, a, giving guys a blow and, and being able to play, uh, you know, competitive minutes in games where you're resting Porzingis or Horford in the back-to-backs and this and that, all of that stuff is great. The NFL season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. 
Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Obviously, you've got the conference championships this weekend. Uh, guys, who do you like there? I got the Rave. Got the Ravens. I love Lamar. What's it, three and a half? Yeah. Three, three and a half, something like that, yeah. I'll take the points on the NFC side, and I'll take the Ravens. They're an all-time team. They really are. Yeah. I think I would normally take Mahomes. I, just I think, think the magic ends here. This is what Brady, you know, there's been a lot of Brady comparisons. And I think right? it could Brady be, a, and I think it teams. could be a blowout. Yeah. In favor of the Chiefs? No. Uh, the Ravens. Oh, no. Yeah. The, the Ravens are scary good. Oh, yeah. Now. That's I what mean, I'm saying. Like, they, Holmes has made the magic happen to this point. Now he's facing a team that's just. I, I, good. I, I, Lamar I, finally I, got the monkey off his back and won a, a playoff game and got that out the way. Um, they're scary good. I that couldn't possibly have them. They're great. I love Lamar. I couldn't have more respect for Mahomes. I think he's ridiculous, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I love the guy. Too. He's already the second best quarterback ever. Um, you know, if you retire wow. today. Woo, John. That's I didn't see that hot take coming. Uh, easily. I don't it's even great. think it's I think yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I he wins this. And he grabs a third ring this year. I, yeah. I don't even think it. I think he's already there. My favorite thing about Mahomes, uh, and and then we'll move move back to Celtics talk. One of my favorite things about Mahomes is, it's this isn't a Brady Homer take. I just think arguing against Brady as the best quarterback ever is stupid, and it's contrarian, and it's you know you want to have a hot take and you want to throw it out there, and you know he'd be declared the best, and then you know he'd lose a regular season game to Aaron Rodgers and someone would be like, is Rodgers actually the best? So like you just these and Rodgers would always get the well, he's more talented. And if he was on Brady's teams, think about how much he would win. Rodgers, 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 Rodgers. And Patrick Mahomes is five times more talented than Aaron Rodgers ever was. And he has two Super Bowls. So he's completely squashed Rodgers' claim to being the most talented guy. And Brady was the winningest. So Rodgers is out of the conversation now, which is great because Rodgers should be out of every conversation. So that's another reason why I love Patrick Mahomes. I used to like Rodgers. Because he has absolutely marginalized Aaron Rodgers to like just – this other guy who is pretty good at quarterback too. Um, anyway, back to the games. And Bobby wanted to talk about the bench as a whole. And he yeah. promises this is not just more no, this propaganda. Isn't. Okay. Well, the same goes for every guy off the bench, right? 
you feel good about Pritchard holding the line. You feel good about Hauser holding the line, and same with Cornette. They've shown this year, at least in a regular season sta- uh, standpoint, that if one of those guys has to step up a spot in the rotation, you're probably good with that. If any of these guys need to start a game, which is what, two injuries, you're in, you're in a little bit of trouble there. So all along, I felt like they need to go out and get more of a um, fill-in guy. And that might just be Mascala skill set level. Like if they end up getting a guy of that caliber, I think I feel good about that because that was Rob Insurance effectively last year, right? And maybe it didn't align right and he wasn't going to be capable of doing that, but it was the right idea, I think. They need to do something like that this year, I think, uh, just because there might be a game where two guys are down. And again, if someone goes down for the playoffs who's significant, you know, it's over. Like that, At that point, you can't find anybody who's going to be able to help sustain that. But if you have to get by for a game or two, do you feel good about the guys on this bench right now to be able to get you through a game or two in the playoffs? Or are these guys still so unproven in terms of playoff minutes that you have to get someone a little bit more proven for this bench? I think it, it, it like most things, it just comes down to the matchup. I think there's certain teams where you can go a game or two without one of your top five guys and still be able to win. Uh, but there's certain matchups where I think it's very problematic. I, I think they'd have a lot of trouble uh, surviving in that regard in, in a playoff situation. Uh, but to your point, Bobby, the idea of having an insurance policy, a guy that you can just kind of throw out there in case of emergency like that, uh, is a great idea. It's just who who's that guy? Who can they get that won't disrupt the continuity that you have right now? And that's going to prevent them from making a move, I think, because yeah. they don't want to mess yeah. with what they have going on right, right now. And things could change, as Brad said. Maybe an injury strikes on that bench, or you know they have a need that comes up that becomes more pressing. And you know, John, I think you felt all along that they just aren't capable of making a move here. And I think their hesitancy to do so will probably increase given what O'Shea's given them. Because if O'Shea fizzled in that opportunity they gave him over the last couple of weeks. They probably would have tried to get that kind of guy. Look, if you can loosen up a guy at that, uh, you know, because, again, the rule is on what they can bring in. It has to be someone, you know, for a buyout candidate who's making less than the uh, mid-level exception, right, which is like 12-point something. So, like, yeah, if there's a player or two out there that can fit in and slide through, I know Olenek is the one that's mentioned. Does Olenek slide Would you want Olenek? I, I like Olenek. I do. So he's that, the interesting kind of, he's the I interesting. mean, that, that, that kill, that kills Luke. Um, so, you know, but like, I like that because again, you know, he can, he can shoot and he's a good offensive player. And again, you're talking about at this point, eight, 10, 12 minutes, you know, like a night, you're not talking about a major uh, player, but that's someone who you could live with for 20 minutes. If you had to, in an emergency, when you're talking about that, that's a, a slightly more proven player. Who again? He's he can't defend. You're gonna you're gonna take a big hit if you're losing a real rotation player. But you can live there. Really, you're looking for someone who's like no offense to these guys, just above Brissett and Cornette, yeah. and that's where you're looking to slide them in and po- you know and po- or possibly compete with Hauser for wing minutes. You know that's kind of the range you're looking at. You're not looking for a, 
a Rozier, you know, or like some teams right. are out there trying to find their their third bet their third scorer. The Celtics are looking for their ninth guy or their eighth guy um, who can solidify a playoff rotation. If they can find that, great. But I don't know that they can. I want to see them try to get a little creative here, uh, Sherrod, because if we're being serious, Delano, Shvi, Stevens, those three guys, they're never going to play. So if you could stack their salaries, and it's tough, right? Because the other team needs to be able to take in that many players. Yeah, and maybe throw get them all who's a little in a little clown car together and just ship them off to wherever, you know, put like nine of those guys in a little clown car and just send them to some destination and add up their salaries and call it a day. Absolutely. Yeah. They'll never play. They'll never play. They'll never play a minute. Never, ever, 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 ever play. They could sign Yumi and Sherrod to those last few spots in the roster for the playoff <laughs> and o- o- over over Banton and Stevens, and it wouldn't make a difference. No, it it'd, be a difference. it'd be Kata, Walsh, and, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't make a Peterson difference. It wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. yeah. JD um, would get some time, yeah. And that quickly, doesn't, again, that doesn't get you much matching money, but if that could get you a little more than what the TPs were at there. Breaking Maybe go news. get a little bit more ex- expensive guy. Kristaps Porzingis interviewed after the game says he's fine. Would have been able to return if the game was closer. Th- thinks he might even check out and t- you know by tomorrow and and get a clean bill, bill of health. So what don't want don't want to do it. No, Just, no. A, I'm saying whether it is or it isn't. I'm saying everyone can exhale on the just shut him down for 20 games and make sure he's okay and put him in bubble wrap. He rolled an ankle in a normal basketball way. It ended up not being a big deal. Hurt at the time. He said he was fine. He could have he could have taped it up and come back. What a sigh of relief. I'm just saying it looks like the fact that he returned without a boot and wasn't shipped off for x-rays immediately is a good, good sign. But it still could have been a week or two. Uh, it looks like it's more of a day-to-day I was thing, ready which, for two weeks immediately seeing him limp yeah. off like that. Those things always happen, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. But that's that's a – Everyone can kind of let that because, one out. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, you, you look at this game, and this is exactly why he has to be at your, at the top of your list of X factors for the winning championship. They had no answer for him in the first quarter. Uh, and it's been kind of like that the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's just been that guy and to get things popping right off, right off the jump. And then Tatum takes over, and then Jalen takes over, and then Derek White is giving you a little this, that. And Al is good for a three-pointer every game now, apparently. Um, I think it's been like 16, 17 straight or something like that. I, I think Who's this, White? It. No, um, Al, 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 Derek White. Al uh, had a really good Pritchard. game tonight, yeah. Yeah, but, they, but they've, had, they've had so many guys that have pl- just basically played their roles, and they're rolling over teams. I mean – this was and this Miami game. I know Joe Mazzula is trying to downplay it. Said, "Well, it's just a game. Doesn't mean nah. This was personal. This was personal. Um, they play with a little more edge, a little more focus than they normally do. Uh, and Miami. <laughs> if you look at Miami's numbers, Miami didn't play a crappy game. It's just no, that the they were there for a half charade. Yeah, it's just that the Celtics were so much better than them. Uh, even though Miami was solid, they just couldn't. They could not defend the Celtics, yeah. which. Glad to hear cream. <laughs> cookies, cookies weighing in. Cookies and cream. Cookies, cookies and cream. <laughs> it's pretty good. You like it? No, but I mean, I like that Jalen likes it. 
I like that they like it. I like that they like each other. Like I like that there's people who like one another on this team. Right. That was we were not we weren't sure of that even last year. You, you know? got Porzingis and Brown, and you got Horford and Tatum. They just both you got, got their people, guys. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like I like you and Derek White. Like you know, everyone Porzingis, loves Derek White. Everyone loves Derek White. Everyone you know, likes Luke. Porzingis. Yeah, everyone likes Luke Porzingis, like kissing people on the head. Like there's a lot, there's good vibes that didn't exist on this team. So I don't give a crap about, they the can come up with a million nicknames. so bad. Uh, they're bad. They weren't as good. Like, I, again, people keep like, why are you always talking about the Jays? Because it was really just them. And like, they were just, they're, like I said, they're not boys. So you don't feel that like tightness and camaraderie there but now you're kind of have it like these other guys are kind of bringing it together a little bit better i think it's great yeah i think it's awesome the porzingis effect i you can't say enough about it not only what it translated to on the court which we weren't entirely sure but like it doesn't seem real Remember, we had the this conversation. But like that he's such a good guy and everybody like likes him and he loves being here and he says the right things. It's like, it's so bizarre because as we said, the reputation was he might have been a little bit not a great teammate, a little bit kind of a, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a little douchey, you know, like I, he's a, he's not, he's wonderful. He's such a, like, he's such a good addition in every way imaginable. A terrific teammate, like open honest great soundbite you know it's really really good i think we felt like we were exaggerating a little bit sherrod in the preseason over the summer when we compared this to kg because it just compared didn't feel the porzingis edition it didn't feel coming in like it had the ability to create that much of a change it didn't feel like he himself had enough of a game to be able to mm. transform a team that much but between the offensive mismatches just being absolute dominance for him and him changing this defense in many ways, it's not Garnett still, but there are shades of it that I, you know, had a little skepticism about coming in, throwing that name around. But in terms of like the culture, the offensive impact, the defensive stature, and again, just a massive body in the paint on this team, it feels a little... It feels a little similar. Well, I, 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 I'm, I am very reluctant to, to compare anybody to Kevin Garnett in any way, shape, or form. Just shades um, of it. But, well, but here's the difference, though. Kevin was actually leading all of these things that we're talking about as far as changing the culture, a different defensive identity. Whereas, you know, Porzingis, he's just found a place. He's in, the, in. in the he's fit in. He's more. I could just a, play. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's not trying to lead. He's not trying to put this team on his back. He's not trying to to you know you know frothing at the mouth and banging his head <laughs> on it. He's, he's not doing any of that stuff. He's just finding his. He's getting in where he fits in, and that's what they needed. They needed a guy in the front court who could give them solid defensive presence, give us some pick and pop action, give us some pick and roll action, be a good teammate and get your teammates involved and just play. That's what he's but doing. But he's changed so, the team, Sherrod, in a lot of ways. Well, in a I, different way. than In, in a, a different, different way. way. I, I yeah. doubled down on Sherrod. KG yeah. was literally almost kind of like the coach and the captain and the mentor, even though he didn't have any of those titles. He came in and it was literally like, I, everyone, look at me. This is what we're doing. And it's anything less, I will. And this is not negotiable. It's I. It's and everyone bought in instantly. Right. And he brought like 
he just brought he took him up like seven levels in terms of intensity and again this is why like i say you know i've been critical of pierce in the past pierce was a good player but kg changed the entire pierce narrative of how he was viewed because he was just a scorer and a guy but he wasn't that guy until kg arrived you're lucky and then joe slay aren't here (laughs) well it's the truth i mean that's who he was It, it completely changed it around completely changed and everybody bought in including pierce mm-hmm. and everybody sacrificed and everybody bought in defensively in ways that they never had completely changed around porzingis has come in and just been like this terrific as you said kind of glue guy it gives them exactly what they need on the court and he's just a terrific guy that people enjoy playing with as well he fa- and he is selfless which is also great because you were worried like geez, what, how are we going to get 20 shots for this guy, 20 shots for this guy, 20 right. for that guy? Like, And you're right, it's is, different. He, he, from a yeah. culture standpoint, hasn't changed things like Garnett did. But just looking at the on-court impact, they didn't have anything like this that could solve yeah. switches. You know, and to do it at the rate he – I mean, it's historic, John. He's scoring every single time they throw him the ball, practically. Like, you're thinking 1.4 points per possession in the post – that's like scoring every time. He gets fouled 30% of the time when they give it to him in the post. His efficiency has just been out of this world. And the consistency that he's played with, obviously he's able to stretch the floor in a substantial way. So yes, he's not leading the attack in many ways with what they're doing offensively, but he's changing the floor. He's changing the offense when he's out there. And you know, I'll give them credit because you would have thought in a game like this or even in other games that he's missed that they'd really miss him. And they have in crunch time. I don't have the crunch time record without him in front of me, but it was two and two to start the year. But overall, when they've missed him, they've still been able to get by, which has been impressive to me because given what he's done, it feels like if he ever went out of the lineup, this whole thing would collapse. And it still might in a playoff situation, but he's the key. He's the key. He's the difference. He's the difference maker. And they've let it, they they've leveled up so far and again i think with uh, with everything you can argue and the like, defense has been really good too you, the yeah. defense has been great you you can argue with holiday and smart uh, you know and and you know I, i'm sure there's still some marcus people out there that don't think holiday is that big an upgrade uh over there but i mean you you did have you didn't it, it's very clear what they did here with these upgrades. Missoula didn't know what to do with those three guards last year. So it was a little bit of a log jam. And again, this frees up Derek whites to constantly play with the starter starter minutes, you know, and then in crunch time uh, and then gives you the opportunity to go double big at the end, if you want to, or, you know, you go with holiday or mix and match based on possessions, but Porzingis levels them all up across the board in 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 ways that no the the prior roster could not do we the consistency level with what rob are we going to get tonight what marcus are we going to get tonight you feel pretty good about which version of every player you're going to get every night they'll have good games and bad games but the swings aren't as wild like rob could legit be like a non-playable player and then the most impactful guy in the universe one game apart we've talked about this one quarter apart you know and marcus the same thing marcus could be the worst guy on the team for three and a half quarters and then makes five good plays late who would win you a game but it drives you insane you don't get these wild swings with these guys you got a pretty good idea what you're getting on a on a regular basis on a nightly basis uh, it's and and again the level of play is just so much higher 
From the executive producers of Band of Brothers and The Pacific. We came from every corner of the country to bring the war to Hitler's doorstep. Starring Academy Award nominee Austin Butler, Callum Turner, and Anthony Boyle. You'll be in charge of 350 air crewmen, boys who have yet to experience combat. Let's rack them up and knock them down. So what do you think the odds are? I'm gonna bet on anything. I'm gonna bet on us. Masters of the Air, now streaming on Apple TV+. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 12-31-24. Excludes tax must update to rewards. Yeah, we've talked about if all things were equal, if Rob goes down for the year here, Smart's practically unavailable the entire season here, and then Brogdon's mad to start camp as it seemed like he was going to be. This season could have been an all-out disaster. And they got lucky in a sense, right? Like, who knew the holiday thing was going to line up the way it did? That, I feel like, rounded this team out perfectly to allow them to be at this level. Because I think there would have been a lot of questions if it was just Pritchard and White and Porzingis in, in Smart's plays. A lot but, of questions and a lot of losses, Yeah, to be honest. But you were able to consolidate some pieces that were ready to go, frankly. Like, I think they reached a point with Rob where it's like he's too unreliable. And that's why you move him out, John, as we debated at the time over Horford, uh, who fortunately they were able to retain there because he's still been. As I said, most of my feelings at that time were uh, were uh, based on emotional emotion. Yeah, it was. (laughs) I, I, I said it openly at the time. I was like, I get it. My brain gave up on Rob a year ago. Uh, it did. You tell you, I, I declared it on the show. I was selling my Rob stock, uh, post post injury. I don't think he was the same guy. Um, and I don't know if he'll ever be the same guy. And again, just maddening, maddeningly inconsistent, whether it was conditioning or whether it was just kind of like figuring out what he was supposed to be doing at every, at any time. Sometimes he, I just couldn't figure it out. And the fact that it just never. It would have been so weird if him and Porzingis were playing together in the starting lineup. But then you had those awesome Instagram videos where he was like doing post-ups and shooting. I just wanted to see (laughs) a little – I just wanted a taste. I mean, yeah, poor guy. He goes to friggin' Portland. The first practice, he bangs his knee, and he gets before he even got a chance to hurt himself. He hurt himself. How many games know? did he? Rob play? gets injured on the way to like getting injured. You know, it was a ridiculously uh, number low. Number. Literally, he, he, you know, poor. I, I, I really do. I really do wish him the best. But it was he played six games this year. That many? Wow. <laughs> Forty-one over the last two. And a hundred and two over the last three. Yeah, I feel like you know, before Rob hits thirty, he's gonna he's gonna be moving around like Udonis Haslam and be out of the league. You know, like I just don't see it. So you wish him the best, yeah. certainly. Yeah, and I guess traded the Rob stunk for the Luke stunk. Yeah, they're kicking around that he might get traded. Uh, obviously, he's not gonna play this year, but maybe I thought he was going. Destination. I thought he was going. You could the, see him and Brogdon moving together, certainly again. And Brogdon's been playing well in recent weeks. Yeah, and he's shooting it well again. He's been yeah. he's been good. He was good last year too. But uh, Sherrod, you came in a little late. You didn't get a full crack at like the game. Uh, any uh, any takeaways or anything you wanted to share? Because we kind of had already moved on to Luke when you walked in the room. <laughs> just as always. Yeah, you know, I mean, just just a beatdown. I mean, they they it felt personal. Uh, and as and I and I, I was hoping it would feel personal. They did not give the Miami Heat any hope that they could win this game. 
Um, it's like the longer the game went on, the more and more they kept proving and reiterating, we're better than you. Um, our Luke Cornette is better than you. Our Peyton Pritchard better than you. Sam, How everyone that we're going to play, the Celtics were basically saying, is better than what you're going to put out there in front of them. Uh, and that you you need to exercise you need to exercise some of those demons because this is a Miami Heat franchise that has had your number. Uh, and I don't care what Joe Mazzulla says, this was a statement type game. They knew what the hell they knew that this was one of those games. National TV, the team that has had your number, they just added one of your former teammates who you know you know can light it up on any given night. You absolutely want to put them in their place and let them know that we're better than you. Uh, and so to me, that was important for them, not just to win this game, but to win it emphatically, which they did. So, Yeah, and Spolster said coming into it, there is you know, always something between these two teams here, yeah. and you're always thinking about that. But right now, the Heat are in a bit of a tailspin. Five straight losses. Five straight. Celtics are hitting their stride. stride. It I didn't look you... friendly. It did not look friendly tonight. No, this wasn't a this wasn't a change the jerseys exchange the jerseys at the no. end of the. Uh, Did you game see at the very the end of the game? Once the final horn sound, Joe Mazzulla beeline to the locker room there, and and he usually has that. One of the chatters said uh, that both teams kind of just went their own. Yes, way. both teams. I mean, everyone just kind of went their way, and that's unusual. I was surprised. Like I didn't see Terry Rozier and Jalen, or and they may have very well done that, but it did not happen right away. Uh, if they did it, so. Celtics Shroud have now led by 10 in 18 of their last 21 games and 30 in nine of their last 21. But we love this stuff. This is like, this is like boomer Nick shit. Like, you know, like the players are too friendly and I agree with it. I just saying like, but it's like, it's an old school take. Like, you know, these guys have been playing together. Joe does that after every game. They have the same agents. Joe does, but I just, just a nut job. But the, uh, (laughs) But the players, I love it. I, I, I love it. The, the players I do like to, I, I, you know, you should remember, like, you should hate these guys. Like, legit, you should hate these guys. They no, you ended should be your season. about what happened last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they yeah. literally ended your season. Uh, you were on the, on the cusp of making one of the, great, the greatest comeback in NBA history, and they ended your season. Okay. Yeah. So. And uh, I like it. talked about how that has motivated them through the 20 and 0 start at home uh, a lot this year that they were bad in their own home court last year throughout the season, but especially in the playoffs. And he said that they felt like they needed to uh, come into this season with a renewed approach at home. And obviously there's been an intense environment there pretty much every game this year, huge, huge crowds and, uh, fervorous ones too, especially to see Porzingis and some of these new additions here. It's just been a whole new feel to the team this year, John. And I still Completely sit here, different. you know, through 45 games, despite all the enormous signs, uh, overwhelming signs that they're going to be there at the end, you still do feel a little bit of trepidation about diving all the way in and being like, they're going to win it this year. And I'm writing that down. Yeah, but it's because of Tatum and Brown, not because and not because of and that's anything not else. good. No, but it's only because they haven't done it yet. So yeah. it's it's and that's it. And it's like that's always going to be the case. It's not a knock on those two guys. It's a knock on anybody who hasn't done it yet. You're always going to wonder if they can do it until they do it, and that's it. Right. But it's also the knowledge. It's also the knowledge, Sherrod, that it's on their plate. They have to do it. Right, but it's the same narrative that existed in Denver with Jokic and Murray 
we, they, we would still be talking about, I wonder, can they do it? I wonder, can they, do they need to break those guys up? What do we need to do until they did it? And so now, and then, the next, right. And then what did they over. say after? They're, they what After they wagged their finger at everybody and said, that's why you keep it together, which right. is what a lot of Celtics fans have been saying all along. Like, you don't break this up. You keep it together. Well, they did break it up in terms of Rob and Smart and other core pieces, but you left the Jays in there and then you built a lot around them. And that's what they've done right now. So yes, they've never had the same supporting cast. They are mature enough in their careers where you hope that this is the year, but you're right, Bobby, until they do it, that doubt's going to be there and it's not a knock on them. It's just a reality. They haven't won. So you don't know how they're going to handle that moment. Are they going to be able to rise to it? It's bigger than, you know, than everything else that they've done. It's bigger. And they've at least blended. They've at least surrounded those guys with the kind of players who are mature enough to handle this type of pressure. You've got a champion in Drew Holiday. you got a guy in Porzingis who is finally in a position where he can just play and not have to worry about carrying a franchise on his back. And then you, you, you fill in some of the other you know holes and with this player, that player. And then basically Jason and Jalen, they just got to do what they do. Play your game. Get, get 50, 60 points every night and call it a day. Yeah, this isn't, and I know we're going to get into it, John. You always have a healthy fear and anxiety of the heat come playoff time. As I look around and I see who can make it tough for Brown and Tatum, you know, what environment can make it tough for them? And I said this on, uh, I think, either uh, the show I did earlier with Joe Sway or my podcast. I think it's the Knicks. And someone just said in the chat, they crushed the Nuggets tonight. They haven't given the Celtics trouble this year. They did last year. But now they've changed the whole dynamic of their team with OG Ananobi, who shot 10 for 18 tonight with 26 and who points. Can lo- and who can and lock up six your, your best steals. players. Yeah. I had some I had some. OG was a, plus th- was a plus 38 in 29 minutes tonight. And they're uh, 11 and 4, I think, with him. Uh, so... I had some skepticism about that trade because I thought quickly was important for them. I thought uh, RJ was a decent young piece that they might need in a deal down the line, but credit to them for finding a guy who's not a game changer necessarily in terms of a star, but a guy who fit into exactly what they're trying to do there. And that's a tough defensive mindset, Um, a star at the point of attack, certainly and, and Brunson who I think can do some damage against Boston. The, the Knicks are much better than people give them credit for, for multiple and a reasons. big, one, big front court, yeah. One, yeah. you get past that, exactly, exactly. And and they can they can hit the boards there, and the Celtics have gotten beat up on the boards against those teams, even with, like, you know, their third, second and third stringers. But uh, you, you get past that Julius Randle shit first month that he tends to have. He's playing terrific now. Brunson might be a top 15 player in the league right now. He's a friggin' assassin. And OG gives him a, gives him a lot of what they need there, an ability uh, to, to, to defend, you know, against. Maybe the best defensive forward in the game. Maybe the best and, and a lot of love for, for defensive player of the year this year uh, right now. And that's a guy who's going to give, you know, you know, guys on the Celtics, uh, you know, trouble uh, because that's what he does. Uh, that's, you know, so I I think they're tough, man. I think I think a lot of teams, and this is what we were talking about earlier, Sherrod, and I'm curious your take, you know, so now you've gotten, you know, we mentioned uh, the OG to New York and how that's gone. Mm-hmm. Obviously, whoa, this one's a little low. I don't see this one, Amit. That one looks weird. 
the heat one, the heat lower third just disappeared. But you have the heat <laughs> acquiring Rozier. Obviously, you had Siakam, um, you know, going uh, going to Indiana, and and the Bucks hiring Doc Doc Rivers. Um, so I will ask you. Uh, of all of these recent acquisitions or additions, uh, which one's going to be the most impactful uh, and or, you know, and the greatest threat to the Celtics in the East? I, I want to believe that it's Indiana adding Pascal. Yeah. Because he is exactly what that team needs. High energy guy. You know, he's, he's he knows what it's like to be the face of the franchise type of guy. He knows what it's like to just kind of work your way from the bottom. And the kind of guys that Rick Carlisle has great success with, he fits that mold. And that's really? a team that's it. Well, that's a team that they're scrappy. You don't want to see a team like Indiana in the playoffs because they're going to fight you no matter how big elitists and they have shown the ability to score in ways they're one of the one of if not the best scoring team in nba and they have a guy controlling the action who gives you problems Halliburton is a problem for a lot of teams especially yes. the celtics uh and as, as the thing I, I my number two would be doc rivers in milwaukee but here's the thing doc has to somehow figure out a way to make the lack of defense played by damian lillard not be such a major problem because Dame is he's not going to change. Uh, he's not going to become all of a sudden a mediocre defender because that's just not happening. He's been in the league too damn long. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. That is going to be a problem that I don't know how Doc is going to mask that um, going forward. So his impact, Doc's impact, is going to be limited somewhat because the biggest issue they have is they don't defend. They don't have a lot, which is weird because they have a former league MVP and an all NBA defender in the front court, but the rest of the team defensively sucks. Yeah. yeah. Compared to Siakam being exactly what Indiana needs. Right. Bucks, what <laughs> the Bucks need, which is a new coach, but is he the ideal one? Is he exactly what they need? Probably not. They probably need a Nick Nurse, Sherrod. Yeah. Given, and I always like that idea of, Pairing his frenetic defensive approach uh, with the Bucks' long uh, active players, but Griffin tried to introduce that there, and they didn't really embrace it. There was obviously conflict from the start between uh, Stotts and Griffin, and I know Doc is probably about as ideal of a guy who's available to come in and be peacemaker and push certain guys and just know exactly how to handle each personality in that room. And I think they're going to make some trades too, at least one. To yeah. shake up that room even more. Uh, but I do. I just, the things that are wrong there, John, just feel a little too long, wrong to solve over four. Well, I don't know games. that Doc's going to come in and turn that defense around. I just don't know if they have the personnel necessarily right. to play yes. the type of defense they need. So I, I, I think, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what it does. I don't know what it does. Does it set what, them up for I'll, next year? Maybe I, I don't. I don't know what it does. I, it just obviously they thought that Griffin wasn't the guy, and they you know pull the ripcord, I guess. And, and that's I, a, I, that's fine. I I applaud that. I, I hate the idea of somebody getting such a short rope there. You Not know, only like a short really rope, sh- but he had the third best record in the NBA. <laughs> but if if you're if it's that if it's that good and you're that certain you got to make a change, then honestly, it's better to make it than to but just. They, say, they had oh, the best record. But they- how many teams have done that? Well, like, uh, but we won or we're winning, so I don't know that I right. can do that. You know, right? 
They were 16 and 8 in crunch time with some miraculous wins against the likes of the Pistons, who they were scoring 140 to 138 against. Who won Uh, Coach of the Year and got fired? Was it, uh, what's his name, who's now with Detroit? It was Dwayne Casey at one point. And then uh, Casey did with Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a, it was almost like the, uh, the SI curse where, um, you would get coach of the year, and then you were going to get fired. With Doc the year said two. that too. He's yeah. like, "That's the yeah. last award you want to win." <laughs> yeah, it is because there, yeah, there was a stress where guys that won that award. Monty were just fired. won it too. Yeah I, yeah, I thought it was Monty, but Monty yeah. won it, and then a year later was gone. Yeah, it was, right. he was two years removed. It wasn't. It wasn't right after Casey was the one I was thinking of. But yes, yeah, yeah, because Casey, yeah, I can't remember. They're still employed. So I'm not an awards guy. Anyway, um, so the doc thing, I don't Mike know if Brown. it's a good thing. I, I, oh, okay. I do think um I think Hall- I think um Siakam's the right answer. The question was, were the Pacers too far behind the elite teams to have leveled up to the point that they can catch them or not? I'm not sure. I think people forget that the second half, um, certain teams take on different personalities. Um, and you know one one or two of these guys might emerge as like holy crap this team's this team's real um so i'm kind of curious what with the Halliburton back and Siakam integrated in there uh, you so know, Joe Sway said the Bucks earlier the when i was talking to him and the one thing i do find interesting about them we're in this era now john me and you always have this fight where it's all offense defense usually defense usually <laughs> seems to have a more outsized it's always role. with love though yeah Defense usually seems to have a more outsized role in who's good in the playoffs. But the Bucks' offense is so dynamic, especially with those two. If Doc can come in and have them play pick and roll together more, maybe put the ball in Lillard's hands at the point of attack more than Giannis's to balance things out a little bit, that could make a big difference because at that point, they might be the most dangerous offense in the NBA. Uh, the they might. To guard. Uh, but what is that, that going to win the title, though? Being yeah, the most that's dangerous the question, offense. Mike. Are we in an era now where you can do that offensively? I believe. I mean, here's I the it. thing, but but my 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 stance on this is not that defense doesn't matter. My stance is it is that a lot of teams kind of waver, you know, in their in their defensive uh, intensity night to night in the in the regular season. But everybody brings it up, you know, uh, in, in the playoffs. So you just assume that like the everyone's going to be playing it and playing it better because you know that it counts more. So your, your energy and your focus is there. So I'm not as worried about like seeing a bad defensive game in the regular season as strings of bad offensive games could be like, if they're playing that like crap now, when the defenses don't give a shit, this offense is going to be borderline dysfunctional when you get to the playoffs. So that's what worries me. That's why I'm always obsessed with seeing the offense humming and, and 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 playing at a higher level and moving the ball and doing all of these things than defense. Uh, that's more my stance on it. But yeah, I mean, look at Denver. Denver is a classic example of they played such a beautiful offense uh, and 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 it translated and nobody could match up with them. It didn't necessarily matter. And they played defense. I mean, enough defense. They were. I mean, I think statistically they were actually a pretty good defensive team last they, year. They could they, put it together when they needed. And they to. played better in the second half, but it was exactly that. They could put it together when they needed to, and that's what that's what that's what won it. So you, you know, can't be I, bad on that end. And right now the Bucks you can't have bad. so many matchups every like a team like Dallas would struggle because you've got you know when you have so many people you got to hide 
um, then it's a little bit harder for sure. So in that you know? sense, if the Bucks can't figure it out on that end, if the Pacers, I know they've done some different stuff recently that's been a little wacky, that's made them more competitive on that end, but they're not good defensively by any means. You got to go Knicks in my mind between those three teams yeah. and made upgrades. And, you know, I don't know what you think of Roger to Miami Shroud. I like the idea. They didn't give it's up. It's a good anything. concept. It's you a might good as well concept. do it, right? But it's not going to yeah. change things significantly for them. It's 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 not. And but I, I think at some point that you know, um, Spolsch was going to figure out how to better utilize Terry. And yeah. Jimmy. I I think what we'll wind up seeing is is Butler play more playmaker at the start of games and get Rozier going offensively and down the stretch they'll go back to you know the tried and true formula. Get the ball at Jimmy and let him go to work. Uh, but. They've got to figure out how to become a better team defensively because the Celtics just absolutely picked them apart. Uh, other than Bam out of bio, I'm not sure there was anyone that really looked adequate defensively because Jimmy Butler, who's a you know, pretty good defender, Jalen Brown was just absolutely roasting him yeah. all game long. And it felt very that, – that was the one when I talk about personal. this game felt personal, that was the matchup that looked extremely personal. Yeah, it wasn't Luca versus Booker personal. Um, no, but it was like uh, it may be, but also Butler, his his just his his regular season. He doesn't care. Is... We have a very yeah. important update from Miami. Yeah, Jalen Brown telling the media Joe Missoula came up with cookies and cream. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Yes. Missoula's not not really uncomfortable about you know throwing around these you know <laughs> these you know he's like Sam's pretty good for a white guy you know like it's just funny um, <laughs> cookies and cream all right okay. there it is there you it go, is Joe Joe also said he he watched the a Bronx Tale and he loved it oh God <laughs> stop Joe just stop. Let's just talk about timeout, shall we? (laughs) He's like, I especially like the part where they locked all those bikers in the bar and then beat the crap out of them. Like, all right, now you can't leave. Um, Yeah. All right. So that's what we got. Clippers on Saturday. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. League right now. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Um, That will be fun. and Clippers what, coming what in on back that, to back. So uh is that an eight o'clock game? Is it if it's seven, I love that, but I feel like it's the usual. I think it might be seven. I love sevens. I thought I thought Yeah, it is a seven. They've had more of those lately. I love that. Yeah. And then Pelicans like on Monday. John, I've never seen Zion play 2021 when he came here. What? Yeah. I, I wasn't there for some reason. 2022 he's hurt. Last year he's hurt. When I was in Syracuse, Sherrod, he got hurt in the game before when yeah. he tore his shoe. <laughs> so, he yeah. so he didn't play in the Syracuse game. I've never seen Zion play in person. So just make it to Monday, Zion, please. How 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 is what what are his stats since Stephen L, Stephen A. Smith saw his belly? <laughs> since he was eating the table. I saw a belly. <laughs> I still oh. love how he kind of workshopped that line with uh, Joe yeah. Sway and Max. But, yeah, he so is averaging – let's see here. Since the, He's been uh, good. Lakers game. He's been good. He is averaging 21.5 points, 5-6 rebounds, 4-7 assists, shooting 60% from the field. 
the field goal percentage is back up into the 60 something range, which again, that's, you know, one of the things that makes him insane is he can just, I mean, finish it. Well, he just finishes so well mm-hmm. when he wants to, but yeah, yeah, it it does feel like it's a matter of will. And yeah, he's I mean, sixty seven at the line though. To ever reach that potential, he's got to drop forty pounds. I mean, so ho- hopefully one of these years he actually commits to it. He's still an unbelievably interesting and entertaining guy to watch. So that'll be fun too. But uh, yeah, so we're back Saturday, and then Monday we'll uh, we'll uh, make sure to. Uh, you know, we should have a full gang at least by Monday, but we're back at least Bobby and I here on Saturday night's game for the post game show. Sherrod's always welcome, always welcome, you know, but he's, you know, he's got his kids are his kids are out of the house. He can actually do stuff with his life on Saturday <laughs> nights. People like me, I'm locked in. I'm locked down. Nothing you could do. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Clippers coming up Celtics with a, another impressive, impressive, impressive win over the uh the Miami Heat tonight uh this game you know got ugly in the third quarter and then into the fourth uh they win it going away 143-110 um and uh yeah that's what we got team to beat in the east nothing changes proceeding to banner 18 unabated right yeah here trade, we go trade yeah. deadline 2 weeks from today that'll be February fun. 8th right yeah February Still 8th i believe I'll have a surprise for you at that trade deadline. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I am going to tell you that it's cool. Okay, that's it. All right. That's it. I am going to tell you what it's cool. Uh, I also, I hate to do this with Jimmy here. We're going to say goodbye, and Jimmy's been asking for an outro. We're going to roll it. Good night, all. Wait, Amit's got an outro for us, I think. No, he doesn't. He said he was going to work on an outro. He had a phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. Forfeit's out. I think it's an option. <laughs> that did not sound like a chair. It was a freaking chair. It does sound like a chair.